On today's insights, is LinkedIn's algorithm making it impossible to share content? We share our thoughts on position zero on Google. And are you stuck in an annual job board contract? Matt explains why you should switch to a monthly, flexible budget. Insights is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Do you ever wish you had an easier way to sell your staffing services? Do you wish more qualified candidates would apply to your jobs? It's time to stop wishing and start doing. Let Haley Marketing create a roadmap for your company. We'll talk with you about your goals, determine the best marketing strategies for your business, and then give you an outline of everything you need to do to succeed in this market. And the best part, it's completely free. If you'd like a marketing roadmap for your staffing company, give us a call at 888-696-2900 or email info at haleymarketing.com. This is Insights. Welcome to Insights. Tips and best practices from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your hosts for Insights are Brad Biley and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Biley and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we doing, buddy? We're doing well, Brad. But more importantly, this is a big week for you. It's a big week, Matt. And we're dropping episode 51 on October 28th. And for those of you playing along at home, it is my 30th birthday. Happy birthday, Brad. I appreciate that. Streamers, confetti, everything's going off. You can't see the film. Matt's throwing confetti everywhere. There's streamers. There's a band marching behind him. <laughs> 30, Matt. Feel great, man. Um, don't feel older. I know it's a new number. Um, but yeah, here we are. Here we are. Um, your knees might start hurting soon okay. as a veteran of the 30 club. I appreciate that. And it's also a, a Halloween week, which we have to do very carefully this year. Are you dressing up? Talk to me about that. I'm not really. Um, so Matt has a young daughter, so dress up Halloween is still fair game for him. It could be. She's a unicorn. You know, okay, a of big, course. Unicorn year. Yes, unicorns were very big. Of course. But, um, you know, socially distance Halloween, be safe. Like, sure. wear your masks, which sure. you do at Halloween. Sure. And the perfect, perfect holiday for COVID, I guess. Literally the perfect holiday. And, yeah. you know, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And remember the candy inside the bag doesn't have COVID. After those tips, Matt, I don't even know if we need a show right now, but hey, let's get to it. <laughs> Is LinkedIn's algorithm making it impossible to share content? Matt, we go back and forth about the algorithm pretty much every other day. I'll text you. You'll send me a Slack message. We'll go back and forth about, hey, man, I ran some content and 80 people saw it. You know, I'm connected with, I think, 12,000 people on LinkedIn. I know you have a couple thousand people that you're connected with just from getting to know the industry and meeting new people and, and being proactive about it. It's 2020, October 28th. Matt, is LinkedIn's algorithm making it impossible to share content? First of all, I have 7,000 followers. Thank you. Humble Sec brag. Sick brag, Sec dude. Second of all, it's more challenging. Yeah. I know the algorithm probably 12 months ago was better for organic traffic. And when you post content consistently, it's definitely become more challenging. So it's, it's it's harder to get that free organic traffic right now. It's tough to say what's working, you know, and and we're here to to tell the listeners what's working and share our insights. And, you know, there'll be weeks where we'll share a video 
and it'll get a couple hundred views, a couple thousand views, whatever it might be. And then there's days where I think I put out the best piece of content that I've ever put together, the Mona Lisa of content, Matt, and six people see it. And it's like, well, give me a break. Falls on its face. Flat yeah. on its face. Yeah. And, and Matt, when we were starting to do our weekly video series, you and I, we leaned into that heavily because it had so much reach. Now it seems like you need, I mean, there's a couple factors. We'll talk about it, but it's almost up to chance in some situations. Testing helps here. Yeah. So with any social media, you know, we always want to look at testing. So you have to continually test formats of posts. So just text, you know, links, imagery, video, testing, time of day, day of week, because mm-hmm. your audience is going to be different than everyone else's audience. You have a unique follower set that no one else has. And then just, you know, do more of what's working and do less of what's not working. And we'll come at a couple of examples here coming up, but it's, it's a constant battle. And it's not just LinkedIn. It's always been Facebook, but Twitter, Instagram, you know, I'm sure TikTok, Snapchat, et cetera. What can you do there to, to try to stay a step ahead? We need to understand that throwaway content has no place on social media anymore. If you're posting just to do it, stop. You need to have a purpose for every post. I've said it a thousand times. Every post has a purpose. You have to have some sort of meaning and you have to add value. You know, social media is so incredibly noisy with so many different people posting content on a given day. You can't just throw something out just because you have to get out a social post. If you're doing that, there's really no value. You might as well just wait until you come up with your next great post and and then run from there. Matt, I think we also need to mix in video, imagery, text-based, like you said, and even experiment with not including links. You know, we've said for a while that these social platforms want you to live on their platform. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, they make money by showing ads. They can't show ads if you leave their platform. So instinctively, they want to favor the posts that make you stay on their platform. Sounds like somebody watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Don't have Netflix, but I can tell you exactly what all of it's about, my friend. It's interesting. You know, we talk a lot on Insights about having value and having a specific strategy and a purpose, and we want to drive all this traffic off of social media. And I stand by that, and I will carry that flag, and I will carry that torch. But we also need to mix in that content that just is built for the platform. Just share a video, just share a graphic, share a text-based update and see how it performs. See what it does. You know, Matt, we've also, we were talking last week via text. I want to say it's within the first 20 minutes, LinkedIn and Facebook are evaluating how much engagement your post gets. And then it starts to snowball from there if whether or not they should show it to more people. It's like a snowball effect or a ripple effect rather, like a, like a pebble in water. If it hits the water and people catch on to that content and the content starts to do well, you get some immediate comments, some immediate likes, immediate engagement. Okay, let's serve it to another hundred people and see what it does. If those people start to comment, start to engage, start to share it, start to like it. Okay, let's serve it to another 200 people. And it starts to spread out. And that I think is important. So we want to make sure that we have good content that drives engagement, that drives meaningful interactions that we've talked about on Facebook before. And ultimately, we want to just make sure that we're doing the best that we can to provide great content to our audience. In the show notes, we'll share a link to this research study that Richard Vanderblom 
conducted on the LinkedIn algorithm. And there's a lot of tips and you can get a little dizzy in there trying to create the perfect recipe, but some takeaways in there that I think can work really well. You know, Brad was talking about, and this seems from my personal experience too, and Brad will probably agree that first hour or two of getting engagement and we mean by engagement, we mean likes or comments on your post really seem to fuel the algorithm. If LinkedIn will send out your content to that test group almost, and if it works well, it's going to show it to more. It's going to expand that group. So that's a really good way. Another way you can expand that reach is have some hashtags in there, right? Popular hashtags are going to work well, about three to 10, they say right now. Please do not have super long tail hashtags that no one uses. I don't need hashtag find your next job at XYZ staffing firm in Buffalo as one hashtag. Continue. Sorry. The last thing I would say is if you're going to tag someone, tag an applicable person. Mm -hmm. Don't just tag Gary Vaynerchuk because he's popular. Tag someone who's going to comment and like and maybe share to their network, and that's going to trigger to LinkedIn, hey, they're doing this correctly. Yeah, you're you're using a tag so that people see it to add their value, add their insights. If you're tagging just to do it because Gary V has a million followers and Matt has 7,000 followers and Brad has 12,000 and you're just trying to build up this follower, it, it doesn't matter. So I think that's the takeaways is, yeah, you have to continue testing. We have to set ourselves up for success here with engagement early in our posting, hashtags, tagging the right people and trying different formats. Like I remember there was, I don't know the date, but a few months ago I told Brad like, there's text posts on LinkedIn that do better than video. Mm-hmm. If you're telling really good content, engaging with people and they like it, it's out there. Like we've seen so much in staffing about how, oh, you know, I really struggled during COVID-19. I couldn't get a job. I did this. This company helped me and it has 47,000 comments and 100,000 likes because it's content people like. They're That's engaging with it. Yeah. So that's the LinkedIn algorithm's tough. It goes back to Brad's, you know, really beginning of this segment of every post have a purpose and don't just have throwaway content, have a plan behind it. Know there isn't a recipe. And even if you do figure out the recipe on October 28th, when we drop this show, it might change by November 5th. So that's the best you can do. Lean into what's working right now. Try your best experiment and understand, as Matt said, what's working today might not work next week. So be open to change, be open to new ideas, and always, it's going to come down to content, content, content. Put out good content that adds value, and ultimately, it will get found. Matt, let's talk about position zero on Google. When we talk about position zero, we're talking about that spot above the first response on Google that answers the question without having to click over. You've seen this time after time, whether you're searching for a great recipe, whether you're searching for what time a restaurant is open, or you're searching for a question to an, a, a, an answer to a question that you might have, and Google shows you that answer, that's considered position zero. And just this past week at Haley, we've been talking to a few of our team members and we've been talking in groups about whether or not position zero is more harmful than good. And it's an interesting conversation because as you think through getting in that very, very top spot, that should be a good thing. 
But what we're finding in research, as we're finding in data, and as we're finding in just in our own observations, is that Google is doing what Google does best. They're serving an answer to a question, regardless of thinking about whether or not they should even want to drive that traffic to you. You know, from a search engine optimization standpoint, we've worked tirelessly to get different clients, different organizations to the top of Google. And now that they're at the top, Google's saying, hey, thanks so much for the info. Here's the answer. Oh, we'll include a link back to your blog, but people are already going to get the answer they want and they might click over or they might not. So Matt, I mean, position zero, is it good? Is it bad? Do you want to be at the top? Do you want to be in spots one or two? I mean, are we, are we fighting for the third spot now and hoping that it drives more traffic? I feel like we could talk on this and run in a circle for a day. I mean, tell me your thoughts on it. This is wild to me. I wrote a blog a few years ago with a couple companies that had position zero. Their traffic was out of control. It went through the roof. And this actually unintentionally connects segment one and segment two in that Google probably changed its algorithm shows more information to that position zero that Brad explained here a minute ago. So the best answer to the question has more information and keeps you on Google and doesn't take you to your website, which stinks. So you wrote a blog about how that traffic exploded because of position zero. Just this past week, we're noticing that clients that had blog articles that were driving maybe tens of thousands of views are now maybe in the single thousands of views. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing. You're still getting a ton of organic traffic because of that article. But it's so interesting to me that you've done all the work. You've, you've performed. You've done everything you needed to do. Google is saying, hey, this article is the best answer to this question. Oh, and by the way, here's the four talking points. So you don't have to click over and read it. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And, and Matt, to me, it, it solidifies the fact that you cannot build your house on rented land because you have no idea what Google's going to do tomorrow. You need to have a strong website of good resources, of good content, because ultimately it all has to funnel back to you because they can flip a switch tomorrow and it can all be gone. It would also be interesting. We don't have the answer to this because I just thought of it. If you have content in position zero, if that would be a ranking factor for the rest of your website. So your blog post gets less traffic, that individual singular page, would your overall company site start to rise up in the eyes of Google because you're providing that valuable content? Because what Brad's saying here is, I'm guessing, don't change the way you're posting content. Continue to provide the best answer to the question. Let Google's algorithm do whatever the heck it wants. But then maybe over time, we'll start to see if your website has the best answer to the question, that blog might go down, your overall website might increase. I think that's a good take. I think that's a really good take because you're you're basically saying, hey, this is this is good. This content is really good. Let's favor this site because they must be good. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, Matt, and, and this is almost a rant of a segment because my brain can't get around the thought of you work so hard to get to the top of Google and you're almost getting punished for it. But if anything, 
it's a branding play too. You know, you get to position zero, you have the best answer to that question. Now individuals that are searching for you are searching for that question. They're seeing your organization's name. They're seeing the website. They have the opportunity to click over. You still want to fight for that spot and you still want to claw for that spot. It's just, it's Google hurt me this week, Matt. It's just the the more I realize it, the more I think about it. It's just you're you're constantly fighting for this organic traffic. You know, you're battling to have the best answer to a question, and when you finally get it, you know, all Google's doing is scraping that information and saying, "Hey, Matt, here's the answer," and they give you the link, but it, it's almost like a throwaway link. It's almost like, oh, and by the way, here's the link if you want to read more. But we already gave you the answer. Why would you want to read more? And it's frustrating, but I think for, you know, sake of the individuals in the, in the industry and the individuals, clients that we work with, organic SEO is one of the most important plays in 2020 without consistently updating your website, consistently trying to rank in Google and rank favorably in Google, your organic search isn't going to happen. And when we think about how clients and prospects and candidates get to a client's website, the majority of that traffic comes from organic search. So you need to be playing by Google standards, but it ultimately has to come back to having a good website that you own in your own land. So I think to summarize, it's continue writing really good content, continue answering the question because that's what Google is, right? Somebody goes to Google, they essentially have a question. Google's algorithm provides the best answer to that question. So with your content strategy, continue to do a really good job with that. And then I think the, you know, one of the underlying purposes of this segment was if you see traffic to a blog suddenly fall off a cliff, this is why. You yeah. answered the question so well, you lost traffic. Like, yeah. holy cow, that's where the frustration from Brad has come in the last week. Yeah, you've, you've done such a great job that you're, you're being rewarded with position zero. And, and do a search, you know, do a basic keyword search for what you think might render your blog or contact us and, and let us use some of our SEO tools to explore that for you. We're happy to look into it. As Matt said, you have to have the best answer to the question. You have to add value. And when you do add value, Google will see that. They'll rank you favorably. And all of it's going to come down to just a strong, organic SEO play. Position zero, you broke my heart this week. But here I am. We'll, uh, we'll talk about it at the beginning of the year and see if you change my mind. Are you stuck in an annual job board contract? Matt, first off, explain to us what an annual job board contract is. And then I know you want to get into what a flexible monthly budget might look like. Candidly, I didn't even know you could do that. So walk me through what an annual budget looks like. And then why don't you walk me through and educate me on what a flexible monthly budget would look like? Because this all sounds incredibly important to me. Um, You just, you caught me off guard with this monthly budget. So I'd love to know more about it. The, the annual contract is, is, I think, more old school, traditional in the recruitment job board world, the staffing agency world, to where you sign a contract with a website for 12 months that you're going to get typical could be 20 job slots to resume seats and maybe something else. And this is your price every month for the next 12 months, which has pluses and minuses, right? There are strengths and weaknesses to everything you can do with your job advertisement budget decisions. With the annual contract with job slots, you know what you're paying for the next 12 months, which is great. People like, some people really like budgets. Some people, you know, if you locked in that price in October, 2020, the price in September, 2021 might be higher. So you've locked in a good rate. 
the challenge with the annual contract is what if things change? And 2020 is like the prototypical answer to that question because your contract in February, you most people probably had much different feelings about it in April 2020. And that's where having flexibility in a monthly contract benefits you and you want to keep control of the recruitment budget on your side. So how do I get out of an annual budget then? So if I'm already locked in, I'm locked in, right? Like I'm locked into my my cable bill right now. Read your contract terms would probably be step one. Sure. Um, and if you don't have any outs like Brad's cable bill, then you just have to expire it. Yeah. Unless, or you can try to talk to your representative at the company and say, hey, is there anything we can do to convert to flexible? They may, they may not, not going to speak for them. Honestly, sure. I have no idea, but my recommendation is really to try to get out of that would be, you know, there's, as I said, there's pluses and minuses to both, but we really coach clients. I even say this to companies we talked with in the prospect phase. If there's nothing you take out of this call, stay as flexible as you can, you know, avoid the long-term contracts. And here's why the here's why is maybe in November, you get a huge surge of holiday job orders and you need to ramp up your budget by 50%. In February, Maybe business goes down. You want to get back to normal or scale down. You can really easily. So you're keeping that flexibility on your side to meet the recruitment needs. And I think a lot of the job boards, the Indeeds, the zip recruiters have more flexible budgets. They That's how their models work now. The career builders, monsters of the world are usually more longer term contract terms. So the industry is evolving, but it just, it pains me at times to see and to hear companies in contracts and then they regret them six and eight months in. And to answer Brad's question, they're kind of stuck. Man, what a sad episode, man. You're you're pained by the annual contract. I'm pained by inbox or position zero. LinkedIn's algorithms bumming me out. This is supposed to be a happy episode, dude. It's my birthday today. <laughs> <You're> turning <laughs> 30. So I guess it no, I'm just kidding. Um yeah, I think that the big we had some positivity in each of those segments. Sure, but of anyway. Course. <laughs> I think with this segment, it's, you know, find a way to move over to a flexible monthly budget and really think about how that can help and benefit your staffing agency to meet your variable job order and job rec needs because they change. Like every company knows you might have 50 job orders in November and a hundred in January and 20 in July or pick your number. Make sure you have that flexibility to meet your needs and more than likely it, you're going to see better results and be happier with your with your budget terms. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? Tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. For my podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.